Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein. And for the many of you who returned to campus last week for homecoming activities, I trust you enjoyed renewing past relationships and came away excited for the transformation process of our students and the campus itself. Cedarville University is truly a special place. And speaking of special, we also have special alumni who are making a difference throughout the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my guest today is one of those individuals. Joining me today is Meredith Wood Docina, a 2014 graduate who earned a degree in social work. Meredith is also this year's Young Alumnus of the Year Award recipient. And I'm sure we'll talk about this recognition today on the program. Today, Meredith is the founder of Obed's House Ministries, which focuses its time on caring for children living on the streets in the Philippines. In 2015, she opened an orphanage in General Santos City in the Philippines. And with that said, let's move to my conversation with Meredith Wood Docina on today's Cedarville Stories podcast. Meredith, it's great to have you on the program today. And there's so much we can talk about, but I want to begin with the recent award that was given to you by your alma mater, Cedarville University, that being the Young Alumnus of the Year. What does this kind of recognition from your alma mater mean to you? I was extremely surprised um, when I received the email from Dr. White. I expected it was just another, you know, Cedarville email. Sure. And then as I opened it, a couple of days after I received it, I was like, oh my word, this, an alumni, this is, can't be the right person. Right. Um, and so I am extremely grateful um, and just feel very blessed that we happen to be here stateside right now, even as all of this is going on and that I got to be a part of homecoming weekend. And, um, you know, my time at Cedarville was so impactful. Um, you're so thankful that we were here stateside. Uh, who, who are the we? The we. So I am married um, to my wonderful husband, Avery, um, for seven years in January. And then we have a daughter named Mia, who will be five in December, and a three-month-old named Tegan Grace. Okay. So just for those listeners, (laughs) uh, the whole family is here. Um, Meredith is obviously in the studio, and the family is looking through the glass windows. So making sure mom does a good job, and (laughs) we know she will. But so, Meredith, when you were officially recognized at homecoming, was there an extra special moment where you felt incredibly close to Jesus because of his work in your life and even to to receive this award? Yeah, I think any time that as an alumni, you step back on campus, you know, the memories start to flood back and just of your time here at Cedarville. So like just coming in this morning and seeing the students walking to classes, I was just like, oh man, like, you know, seeing people talking, like, I remember when I was in that situation, or I remember being with my girlfriends walking to class. And I think, you know, just the relationships that you're able to form here at Cedarville are just such a huge blessing. And so for me, just like the closeness of Jesus is all around you when you step back on campus. So now that you're been, you've been back on campus, um, you mentioned some memories, but what do you miss the most about being a student at Cedarville? I just miss, you know, being able to be with your friends and just hanging out, not too many worries other than studying. But yeah, just the the fun, random things that you don't, we didn't really live on a schedule like you do now as an adult and as a married mom. Um, yeah. So in full disclosure, I wanted to start with the Young Alumnus of the Year topic because 
it really leads us into a conversation that speaks to why you were selected. And that's where we wanna, I want to spend a lot of the podcast uh, discussing. And it all begins with your transformational journey to Jesus. Uh, share with us how a short car ride from church is instrumental in your faith journey with Jesus. I was raised in a wonderful Christian home, and uh, I was attending Sunday school. And I just remember my teacher um, was talking about being saved. And for me, it was like, oh, well, I, I, I want to know more about this. And that Sunday, we happened to be going to Young's Jersey Dairy for lunch after church. I attend Southgate in Springfield. And um, I just said to my parents, like, mom and dad, I'm ready. Um, and so we had that prayer and the conversation right there in, in our van on the way to Young's. And I would love to say that from then on, I just lived my life for Jesus. But right. of course, um, growing up with, you know, self-will and just influence all around, um, I, I chose to walk away from the Lord for a little while. Um, but praise the Lord, um, I rededicated my life back to Christ while I was here at Cedarville. How old were you um, in that car ride? Six years old. Six years old. So. Yes. As you mentioned, the firm understanding of your belief in the Lord didn't really set in until I believe you were like 19 years old. You were yes. here at Cedarville. What was happening in your life at that time that moved you from a casual believer to being sold out for him? I played soccer my entire life, um, from the time I was three years old all the way through Cedarville. Um, and the Lord really caught my attention, um, unbeknownst to me, when Coach Matt came to one of my high school soccer games um, and scouted. And at the time, I was never considering coming to Cedarville. My dad works here. I grew up around it. I didn't want to go to Cedarville. You wanted to get away. Yeah, had to get away. Um, and then Coach Matt came, and that started to like shift my focus. Oh, maybe I could go to Cedarville selfishly so that I could be on the soccer team and sure. you know be a varsity athlete again. Um, and then I happened to go to church one Sunday with my mom because I didn't have a soccer tournament that weekend. And there were some missionaries on the stage who had just come back from Africa. And so I you know, said to my mom when we got home that day, like, hey, I think I want to go on a missions trip. And my mom like later told me that she was so shocked she had to turn around and like act like she was rearranging the fridge because <laughs> she was crying and so shocked and she didn't want me to like change my mind. Um and so from there, she connected me um, to a friend and soccer brought me to Cedarville and the Lord kept me here. Um, I went over to the Philippines right before I started at Cedarville and the Lord just broke me. I, I went there just this very selfish 18 year old, all about myself. And I met these children and these people who just had this love for the Lord like nothing I had seen before. And it was not for any material things that they had, but just pure gratitude and happiness for life. Um, and so I came back to Cedarville with that renewed mindset, but still, you know, I'm attending Bible cl classes for the first time and I'm surrounded, I'm going to chapel. You know, I had the presence of the Lord all around me, but I was still fighting against it. Um, and then the Lord finally you know, broke me. And by, by Christmas, by New Year's Eve, I mean, um, of my freshman year here, I had one last wild ride and I, I got on my knees um, at my bedside. And I always tell people, um, just like I'll say in chapel yesterday, uh, it is the scariest prayer you could ever pray. Um, but I said, Lord, I am so done living like this. You can do whatever you want with my life, but I just can't do this anymore. Um, and so I rededicated my life to the Lord and, you know, 
from then on, he's been very faithful. <laughs> and you've been sold out for, for whatever he has for you, right? Yes, which I had no clue would eventually be the mission field. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're going to get into that. So where did you go to school? High school. Um, I went to Shawnee High School in Springfield, Ohio. Okay, and you were on the soccer team there? Yes. What position did you play? I played midfield. Okay. And then, you know, as I came to Cedarville, yeah. I am, um, again, back to that whole selfish uh, character that I was, I um, didn't do any of the summer training. So I got to Cedarville just expecting to hop on diversity, right? And sure. uh, I didn't. I was on JV right away because um, I hadn't put in the work. And so... The Lord really started to reveal to me that soccer was an idol in my life and that, you know, I wasn't playing for him. And But the, the girls on my team, the women on my team, on the JV team, also just influenced my walk with Christ big time. How did the Lord develop you year after year after year at Cedarville after you went to your knees that one, that one morning, one day? How did he uh, grow you in, in, in your faith in him? Yeah, well, Cedarville played an, an incredibly instrumental part of that um, because when you're here, you can try to not live a godly life. But like I said, the presence of the Lord is all around you, whether it's through relationships, your professors, um, chapel. And, uh, you know, from there, like I have my friends who would encourage me as you start to kind of maybe make a decision that is not wise. You know, your friends are right there sure. saying, hey, like, you know, as a Christian woman, like we shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, you desire to live a life for Christ when you have such great community around you. Um, and so the Lord just continued to develop me. I had strong mentors, um, past women who were on the mission field. Um, my professors in the social work department played an incredible um, part in my, in my process too. So God used several situations to pull his heartstrings in your life, including a pair of short-term missions trips to the Philippines. It was during the second trip that I want to f- focus on now is other missionaries encountered some boys needing help, if you recall, primarily the need for food. They were hungry. Um, can you share with us the story how the missionaries served these boys? I ended up quitting the soccer team after my first year at Cedarville, again, realizing that that it was soccer was more of an idol in my life. And I felt called to serve the Lord on the mission field. Um, so my second summer after my, fresh, my after freshman year at Cedarville, um, 2011, I went back over to the Philippines this time for two months. And I was volunteering at a Christian school there. Um, and while we were, we, while we were there one Sunday, we were in the office just working on some things um, because we had church in the, in the evening because it's so hot. And um, some boys came up to the mission and they were looking for food. And, you know, as a 19-year-old woman, I had never really experienced homeless children. In America, you you see homelessness, especially in bigger cities. Um, But here were these three boys without any shoes on. They were wearing oversized shirt. They were covered in dry paint. They had gotten in a paint can in a dump site somewhere. And um, they were just wanting food. And... So we um, we went over to the kitchen and we sat down and we had these huge plates of rice. And I'm not kidding. This is like a, a six, eight and nine year old, nine okay. year old boys. And they each devoured like two or three plates just full of rice with a little bit of soup on it. But they were starving. And um, 
we sat there and one of my favorite memories from it was that one of the little boys just sat back and you could physically see that he was full and uh, he just was giggling and he looked over and he started singing a Justin Bieber song to one of the boys, baby, baby. And we just laughed because, you know, it was just like that here you see happiness through, through being full. And um, the administrator at the time, you know, went and bought them some flip-flops across the street and then said, all right, we'll see you guys later. And I said, what? What do you mean? Like, these kids are homeless. We have to help them. And they said, well, you know, we're we're a school. We don't have anywhere to take care of them. And and I said, oh, I can't, we can't send them back to the street. Like, what do I have to do to make sure um, that they, they don't live like this? And so the administrator said, well, um, you know, if you raised around probably $4,000 would help them go to school and get a nanny who could watch them. And we could figure out a place somewhere in the school to turn into a room. And I was like, wow, $4,000. Like I didn't even have to raise that to come over here this summer. Um, But I was, you know, learning in my Bible classes here at Cedarville, just about being obedient to the Lord. And so I I remember praying and just saying, Lord, he told me to pray for $4,000 and I'm not going to be mad if it doesn't happen. Cause like, I know that's a big amount. So here I am doubting God. And, um, I'm like, but you know, if, if this can happen and if it's your will, like, please make it happen. And so within six days, um, I had been keeping a blog and my blog got shared throughout probably most of my Cedarville friends and their parents. And, um, within six days we had all $4,000 and more, um, to be able to take care of the boys. So that's where I want to pick up the story. This is really the impetus of Obed's house, right? Which yeah. you you founded. Uh, it's an orphanage. Was this answer to prayer the final confirmation that you needed to see or f- experience? Missions is my life. I had no idea where I was going at that point. I didn't feel called to missions. Okay. My junior year, I um, was like, that's when I started to feel more called. So I, I lived in the Philippines now, 2010, 2011, 2012 summers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the Lord just continued to grow. So like I was doing fundraisers, I was selling shirts in the student center. I was do. I did a flip-flop drive. I went to every old Navy within like a 50 mile radius and bought the 50 cent flip-flops and was selling them or having students buy them, write a message and sending them over. Um, and so from there, that's when I started to feel the call, like I, my desire to go back and do something more for these boys because the boys stayed Whatever happened to these boys, and how did you use that four thousand or whatever how much money uh, you raised? Yeah, so the boys um, were raised by a nanny for a while and started in school. However, um, after a while, they ended up leaving. Why? Because they were surviving in the streets just fine. And so, when there's no structure, sure, um, and they've never been to school before, why? You know, why would they want to follow all these rules? Like they're they're having fun in the streets. They're finding paint cans. They're stealing chickens. You know, they're doing all this stuff to survive. And in turn, some of them were helping their families. Like they have a father who's a drunkard um, that they would go back to. So that um, the boys didn't end up staying. And so that's when I started to realize like, oh, this, this format or this uh, style isn't going to work out, you know, forever. Yeah, so so then that led you to starting Obed's House, which is an orphanage. Is that correct? Yes. So how did that come about? Yeah, so what happened every summer when I would go back, the boys would come back. Like they would hear that I was there through word of mouth, and then they would come back and they would stay until I came back to Cedarville. 
Um, and so my junior year, I really was feeling called um, just by so many different things um, the Lord putting in front of me. And I remember hanging out with one of my friends, Dexter, and uh, I was like, yeah, I just don't know like if, if this is like my selfish will, like I want to start an orphanage, you know, or if like it's the like the Lord is calling me to do this. And he was like, hey, you have to step out in faith and like whatever the Lord is calling you to, he will steer you in that direction. Like you might think that you're going right and he might steer you a little bit left, but like unless you start like sharing with others this, you know, desire and this calling that you have, then, you know, what's going to happen? You have to move, right? And so I'm like, all right. And um, I started sharing. And a funny story too, my dad um, works here in the cashier's office and my last name uh, in college was Wood. And so my mailbox was right near the edge before you get to uh, the cashier's office. And so checks just started coming in of people sending donations right to my student mailbox. And I mean, you know, when you raise money to go on a short-term trip, someone might send you 25 bucks, a hundred maybe. I was getting checks for like $5,000, you know, like just like big amounts. So I would go to my dad's office and we would just cry, you know, because like when you're an accountant, money doesn't come that quickly, right? And so my dad is just like, you know, obviously the Lord can do this, but man cannot. Um, And so we would just sit there like, wow. I mean, that was pretty obvious that the Lord was like, yeah, this is the direction, you know, that we're going into. Um, And then New Year's Eve, another a big holiday for me, um, just in the Lord moving. New Year's Eve of my junior year here, a couple showed up to my parents' house and knocked on the door and said, hey, we just sold our insurance company um, and the Lord allowed us to live our dream. And now we want you to live the calling that he's got for you. And they wrote me a check for $15,000. They had no idea that that was the exact cost of the land and house that I wanted to buy to start Obeds. And we just kind of went from there. How much money did you need to raise to start Obed's house? And how much money was raised? Well, that's a great question. And something I always tell people, if I could go back, (laughs) I didn't have an exact budget. We just built as the money came in. So my uh, senior year here at Cedarville, we we saved up. And I would love to say that I was going to churches and doing all these big, um, you know, speaking engagements, but I wasn't. Like the Lord was just like- He was moving. providing. He was providing. My friends here at Cedarville, again, played a huge part, you know, at Cedarville. Sometimes on the weekends, you go to a friend's house in Indiana or wherever, and then their parents would hear about it and they'd share with their friends- I graduated in 2014, and by October of 2014, I was down there, and we were building. Um, also, kind of cool. My grandfather built homes. That's what, um, and my uncle has the business now. And so, my grandpa helped me draw up the blueprints um, for Obeds. And so, we started building in 2014 and finished by May of 2015. So, when you Step back now. You're, you've been out of school nine, 10 years, roughly. Is it amazing to you to see that the Lord used a college student to do this? <laughs> it is. I mean, it's still a pinch me kind of moment um, because like, I know how um, sinful of a person I am and how you know a lot of times people look at missionaries and pastors or anyone in the ministry and just thinks like, oh, that person you know, is perfect or they live such a great life. And um, I am a sinner saved by grace. 
Um, and so, yeah, to look back and just see all that the Lord has done and, you know, to bless me with a wonderful husband who is from the Philippines and an incredible staff and all of these beautiful children that call me mom. I just feel so undeserving. So going back to those three boys that really started the uh, pull to missions, do you still see them? Do you, are you in contact with them? I am still mommy mayor um, to all of those boys. Um, one of the boys is still with me, which is exciting. Benji, um, he is 20 years old now and he's studying, um, like a CTC JVS kind of course. Okay. Um, because when he came to me, he had never been in school before and he has some learning disabilities. Benji is still with us and he is, I think, studying welding. Is it fair to say not just your impact, but the impact of just the people who came around you to help them at that time, totally change the direction of their life? Absolutely. Totally fair to say and, and accurate. So what, what tangible evidence could you say that, you know, they were going on this path and here's where they are today. Are they, how, how are they doing? Yeah. So um, we celebrated our eighth year anniversary in uh, July of this year. And in our eight years, we've had the opportunity to care for over 60 children um, who have either been reunified with their families, have moved on to another center that was better um, suited for them, or they might have left on their own choice. When you live in a blended family, so we're we're classified as an orphanage in the Philippines, but we don't adopt out. We're more like a glorified foster family. Okay. Um, and all of our kids come to us through the government, through some kind of court case. Um, and so you, these kids come to you just broken. I mean, they have no birth certificate. Some of them don't even know how to write. Some don't know their full name. They just go by a nickname that the people around them have called. Yeah. So they've never been in school. They have never received love in any tangible way. So like you think about, uh, the, the love languages, right? Like they don't, they don't receive, they don't want to receive gifts. They don't want to um, words of affirmation makes them cringe, you know, all of those things. And so as they come to us just broken, and then you get to look back and see the Lord's hand in everything because they've gone through therapy. They've received love so much that they can't push it away anymore. They've just, just the safety of a home and a family, like simple things, getting to have three meals a day, getting to play toys and not having to work in the streets to earn money for, for their family to or to survive. So getting to like see this, not only physical transformation, because you see them go from malnourished to just tall and handsome and um, happy, but knowing that it's also because of Jesus. So they're attending Bible studies, they're going to a Christian school, um, and they're excited about it. They lead the Bible stories during our street feedings, you know, and so they, they, always real, they all realize that it was the Lord who brought them here. It wasn't just by, you know chance. Obed's House and your ministry, is that under a ministry organization or just independent? Yeah. So I was independent for six years. Um, and then my husband and I were stateside during COVID. We got stuck here, actually. We really? were here because he was getting his um, U.S. citizenship. And um, COVID happened and everything shut down. And so during that time, we were kind of reevaluating and we were like, hey, we can't survive on <laughs> this little income that we have and we don't have insurance. We don't have all of this, um, these things. So we're just kind of praying like, Lord, give us some direction. Like we're not leading our family well if, if we're going to keep living like this. 
And so uh, we were at a missions conference and some missionaries encouraged me to look into a missions org, which I had tried when I first started out, but I was 22 and had no, I didn't have a physical, you know, orphanage at the time. So it was like, I had no track record to go off of. We were looking at a place in, at an organization in Colorado. And all of a sudden I get a phone call from someone that was like, Hey, we were just at ABWE in Pennsylvania and I started to share that I had a friend who had this, you know, orphanage and I didn't share a name or anything. And the person pulled your brochure out of their desk and said, is this who you're talking about? And my friend was like, I was just shocked. And he said, I've been meaning to call her. And so for me, that was the Lord, because we were trying to decide between ABWE and this other organization. And so I was like, all right. So we drove over um, to ABWE and the Lord just laid things out very clearly for us that that was the organization we were supposed to go to. And it has been a huge blessing. How so? How does being under ABWE's mission impact you guys? Yeah. So when I was independent, I had the help of, you know, a bookkeeper or whatnot, but I was the one issuing receipts. I was the one doing all of the overhead while also trying to be the administrator at Obeds and leading my staff and kids and also trying to be a good wife and mom. So I was juggling a lot of of different hats. And um, when we joined ABWE, they helped take care of so many things like the overhead. But not only that, they give us a team on the field. And that was something I really wanted. So where we're at in General Santos City, it's like two hours south of Manila. So there's not a lot of other Western missionaries around. And if there are, they're usually, they're probably leading kind of a secret, a secretive kind of mission or or whatnot. And so now being with ABWE, we have this team of missionaries that we get to bounce ideas off of. Some are seasoned missionaries, some are families. And so that's been really a huge blessing for us. You know, we get to meet one time a year. We have, you know, monthly meetings or, or whatnot. And even being able to go up to headquarters, we were just there for training uh, last month. It's just, you feel so supported and loved and understood. And it all, I assume it kind of feels like you kind of a little, you have a little bit of a safety net too, right? Yeah. More than you ever had. Yeah. And learning a lot more, like even being on the field for six years, I felt like I knew a lot, you know, like I speak the language. I I have a general sense of like security and knowing things, but just being able to like study and doing some of the assignments that ABW gives, read this book or talk with this, you know, mentor. It's we've grown exponentially, not only just in our faith, but in our marriage too. So in our final minute or two together, a couple of questions. Um, what is the ultimate mission of Obed House? Yeah, our ultimate mission um, at Obed's is to care for any child that walks through our door in hopes that they would feel the love of a Christ-centered family and then go back out into their community and reiterate or, or share that with others while breaking the cycle of poverty that they're coming from. In doing that, we hope someday that Obeds can totally be run um, by Filipinos, totally self-sustaining. Um, but unfortunately, because we live in a broken world, there will most likely always be a need um, for children to be taken care of. Um, and so we just pray that the Lord would give us many more years um, at Obeds to care for these children and provide you know, all of these skills and needs that they, that they need to, to grow up and live a safe and happy Christian life. 
So they're with you 24-7? 24-7. We're technically classified as a 24-7 residential care center. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, they we ha- I have seven incredible staff, all um, Native Filipinos, who, while I'm here stateside, they are running things. Um, and we live pretty much like a typical family. I, I didn't want, when I started out, I didn't want it to be run like a very, you know, structured institution kind of thing. Um, while we do have to have a lot of structure, um, we, we do things just like families do here. We laugh and play games and fight and, um, watch TV together and stuff. It was just, we're a very blended, you know, normal family, I'd say. So what are, what are some pressing needs that you may want to share with our listeners? So maybe they can pray for those situations or even assist in other ways. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking that. Um, our current pressing need right now, so we went from being independent to going with ABW as our sending organization. Um, but when we did that, we went from only raising money for OBEDs to now needing to raise money for our family, which again is a huge blessing because now we have insurance and we have, you know, some sustainability. Um, however, we are not fully funded. And so we're hoping to be fully funded by the time we go back to the field in January of 24. Um, we're around 72%, so we're not too far off. Um, so that would be our first, you know, prayer request, uh, just that the Lord would allow us to be fully funded. That would be partnering with churches, um, partnering with families, individuals who who have a heart or feel called to help. Um, and then for the kids, um, they are all attending a private Christian school. And the reason for that is because the public school near our house has like 80 kids to one teacher and one textbook to five children. And so our kids are go. it's like sending them back into the street almost because they're around all these influences. They're, they're already back behind in their education. So they're sitting in the back of the room and they're not getting, you know, paid attention to it. So um, raising money and being supported, helping them support them to go to a Christian school um, and university. So university is about $600 a year and um, the Christian school is around like 400 And you're funding all this? Yes. Okay. So how can people help fund those efforts? So you could visit our website at obedshouse.org and we have a tab there. Or you could go to abwe.org and you can type in Obed's House and it will come up as a project with ABWE. You can donate that way. Or you can type in Docena, which is D-O-C-E-N-A, and you would find our family's support page. I encourage our listeners to pray for Obed's House and the ministry of um, Meredith and her family. Wish we had more time to talk about this. This is a fascinating story. I love the heart that I see just flowing out of you and the love that you have for those children in the Philippines. So um, we'll continue to pray for you. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Obit's House, you can um, visit uh, the websites that Meredith said, or, or if you want to learn more about Cedarville University, I encourage you to visit cedarville.edu, and uh, you can learn more about the undergraduate-graduate programs that we offer. Meredith, uh, our time is up. Uh, congratulations on the award Thank you. Uh, that you received just this past weekend. All the best as you continue to serve Jesus in the Philippines. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. 
You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.